Welcome to the Answers for Elders radio show. Meet the trusted experts who will give you straight answers and will help guide you on the path of later life care. Now, here's your host, founder, caregiver, and CEO, Suzanne Newman. And welcome everyone to Answers for Elders radio network. And we are here on behalf of Morning Star Senior Living in Beaverton, Oregon. And we are here talking to a very special guest who is also um, going to talk to us about a topic that we necessarily haven't talked about on Answers for Elders before. And as a result, um, be- before I introduce our guest to you, um, you know, I we, this special individual, he's actually a resident at Morningstar in Beaverton, but most importantly, which is really amazing, is that uh, he is a military veteran from the Air Force. And so I'd like to um, introduce all of you and welcome Mr. Nick Hanks to Answers for Elders Radio. So thank you for being with us, Nick. It's my pleasure. It's good to be with you. I look forward to our broadcast. I do too, because um, uh, before we started recording, um, Nick was sharing with me a little bit about um, your background and your experience in the Air Force. And you talked about an experience with you that had to do with high altitudes. So should we like start off with your story a little bit first? Sure. Uh, I was in the Air Force for uh, 20 years. And in the first tour I had at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, I was put on flying status as a crew member, not as a primary member. I wasn't a pilot or a co-pilot or a navigator. And my purpose was to uh, run experimental equipment that we were testing for a variety of purposes. But because we, they have a rigorous program that you have to go through, like you got to jump off this tower into the water and put on a, a, a buoy so you can float and so on. One of the things you have to do is go through the altitude chamber. And what they're trying to teach you is what is what happens when you become hypoxic, which means you're not your not, body's not getting enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. So that is, they put you in a pressure chamber, and then they pr- pr- pump the pressure chamber down to 25,000 feet. By the way, there's an instructor sitting beside you, and then it, everybody takes a turn, and they take their mask off, and they have you do these little tests and stuff, and uh, the, so you can feel what it's like to become hypoxic. So do you want me to get into what the test was and what we were doing? Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about what that was. Okay. So they give you a pretty simple test at, at the beginning. The questions are, you pull your mask off, and they, the test is fairly simple. It's like, what right? what is uh, the Air Force Base that you were at? What TV program did you watch last night? What kind of a car do your parents have? So you're zipping off those answers. Yeah. Quick. And you, you get a, it takes, I don't know, a minute or so to answer all those questions. And then it gets down and it says, okay, flip the paper over. You've got a clipboard. Flip the paper over and start with the number 100. And what we want you to do is make a row, 100, 97, 94, 91, 88. See, I'm counting down by threes. And just keep counting down by threes. I said, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Flip the paper over, and I start counting down. 
and I'm going, boy, I'm going to set a world's record here. I'm just going like mad and I'm going like mad and I just think I'm doing wonderful. And pretty soon this jerk next to me, one of the instructors is pushing my mask on. And I'm going, what are you doing? He says, put your mask on, put your mask on. Okay. Wow. And I'm sitting there. He said, how did you do it? I said, I thought I was doing fantastic. He said, well, let's look down at your paper. And it starts down. 197, 94, 91, 88, 85. And then it goes over and goes 86, uh, 83, 80. Oh, my goodness. 79, 78, 76, 70. And then it kind of turns and starts going sideways. And it's going, oh, then it jumped down to like in the 30s. And 32, 34, and I'm saying, I wonder what comes after. I'm thinking there. <laughs> the instructor starts pushing my mask back on. And yeah. I'm, going, I'm going, what are you doing? He's put your mask on. Put your mask on. I, okay. So I put my mask on. And I sit there for a minute. And the instructor said, how did you think you do it? I said, well, I think I did a world's record. And he <laughs> said, well, look down at your sheet. So I was, you know, I got through the 80s pretty good. And it goes 90 or 91, then it goes 88, and then it goes Aww. 83, and then it goes 84, and then it goes 82, and then it goes 20. I mean, I was hypoxic as hell, and I had absolutely no idea whatsoever that my brain was not functioning mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> with hypoxia, That is a condition, obviously, that happened to you at that moment. Did you realize that it could be affecting you later in life? Uh, (laughs) They don't leave you in there long enough that it's going to affect you for that period of time. Uh, Okay. I think you would pass out first. Got it. You're passing out. (laughs) So that's why the guy pushes the mask back on you. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that, right. That thing, when I came back and I looked at my sheet, I'm going, what the hell is going on here? What, did they switch sheets on me? Mm-hmm. But that high altitude, and that obviously could affect what you're flying. Absolutely. And, you know, you hear about stories about how uh, pilots can get disoriented. Um, and I'm sure that's part of it. Is that is that the case i don't know that much about flying but i know my dad was a pilot so he used to talk a little bit about i remember when jfk jr um got disoriented from the from the weather but it was also due to um you know altitude was a factor as well that so they said so yes and of course that was nothing compared to probably what you were affected by so oh Mine, I, I was never affected when I was actually flying on a, a test mission. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason was I was quite aware of what could happen if I did become hypoxic. Mm-hmm. And we were careful, you know, to make sure everybody was okay. And there would oftentimes be a, a they called it a countdown through the crew. And the pilot right. would go, countdown time, countdown time. And he'd go one and the co-pilot would go two and then we'd start three four five six and he'd go where's seven where's seven somebody find seven yeah and so in my case the couple of times it happened the guy was busy and you know mm-hmm. and phone off 
Yes. Keep watching each other and it's what this stuff goes on. There's a famous story in the Air Force that they tell you in in training when you get ready to start flying in pressurized aircraft Mm -hmm. about navigator. And he has a he has a big exam coming up. So they're flying B one thirty and the flight engineers come back to the bunks in the back of the hot cockpit and he's sleeping, big night drinking. So the navigator says to the two pilots, pilot phone, and I want to sit here and work nav problems because I got a big exam coming up. Yeah. Would that be okay? Go ahead. So he does that for about 25, 30 minutes, and he's had enough, and he spins around and he looks and he pulls his mask down and he plugs his inner phone back in. And the pilot and co-pilot in his C-130, 175,000-pound airplane, they're talking about rolling the airplane, and they can't decide whether they're going to roll left or they're going to roll it to the right. Mm-hmm. They got yeah. that plane vertical. It would have come apart in the air. They were hypothesis. They had lost their reasoning capability. Yes. The was on autopilot, so they didn't realize that their coordination was up. And the navigator yells, starts yelling, you're hypoxic, you're hypoxic, put your mask yes. up. They go, yes, get back, we're okay. No. <laughs> no. <clears throat> yeah. So are you, um, it, you know, as far as you probably um, experience, probably or recognize it a little bit more as far as how does hypoxia change your memory in the long term does it does it have an effect um from the effects of altitude i think it would if you got hypoxic all the time got it you're warned about that that if you're going to altitude get a mask on even the guys Mm -hmm. i died from high altitudes they they start on the ground with an oxygen mask and they keep it on during their high altitude jump right just don't want to fool around with cutting oxygen Uh off Well, and, you know, we hear about mountain climbers, and I'm sure that that's part of it, like mountain elevations would, a lot of times they wear oxygen. But back in the early days, actually, um, I was reading about George Finch. He was a mountain climber that climbed Everest back in the 1920s or something like that. They didn't have even any, (laughs) any oxygen back then. So obviously people like that, that would be um, probably long-term. Uh, that probably could. I'm, I'm not familiar with anybody climbing Everest without uh, oxygen. Uh, even the Sherpas wear oxygen when they goes up that high. We're talking mm-hmm. and they start wearing oxygen, I think somewhere around 10,000 feet. And part of the reason they have to have so many Sherpas is they have to carry all those oxygen. Bottles. Yes, they do. Yes, yeah. they do. The so thing- Nick, Changing subjects. How do you like living living at Morningstar in Beaverton? It's wonderful. It's and the just, food is good? The food is excellent. Just excellent. And uh-huh. we're out in a place where I can, I've got three or four different places I could run. I have a very nice, pleasant apartment. They clean it once a week for me. The staff is very attentive. Every afternoon we have happy hour. 
what more do you want? Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I always think about, you know, what what's on your bucket list and it's so much easier to think about doing things that are on your bucket list when you're not encumbered by all the responsibilities of keeping up a home and you know uh cooking your meals and grocery shopping and all the things that you have to do when you live like that but you have all the benefits of freedom to stay in a beautiful place like this and just be pampered and spoiled that's exactly right that's exactly right and it, it takes care of the problem that I think we all have as we get older, that all of a sudden we realize that we have this memory problem. Mm -hmm. And came at my aha moment was I was driving along in my car in Colorado and I suddenly realized I had no clue where I was going. Right, right. Well, <laughs> it can happen to anybody. And certainly I really am so honored that you shared your story with us and I am thrilled to be, get to meet you. And thank you so much again for the service that you've given this country. Well, that's very kind of you. And uh, thank you for interviewing you. I enjoyed talking with you. I enjoyed talking to you too. And I hope you'll come back on the show sometime. It'll be a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. We at Answers for Elders thank you for listening. Did you know that you can discover hundreds of podcasts in our library on senior care? So visit our website and discover our decision guides that will help you also navigate decision-making. Find us at AnswersForElders.com. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.